Hey, welcome to Recruiting Trail. I'm your host, Andrew Nimick of Oregonian and Oregon Live, bringing you the latest in recruiting for the Oregon Ducks, Oregon State Beavers, and Oregon High School Athletics. The early signing period for all sports except football has come and gone. It was an exciting time, even though a lot of it was just a formality. A lot of it, frankly, was just the paperwork. No new commitments for Oregon or Oregon State in either men's or women's basketball. And yet the end result, just putting pen to paper, solidified bright futures for all four programs. The Oregon Ducks women's basketball program signs the number one recruiting class in the nation for the second time in three years. Oregon State signs the number three recruiting class in the nation, women's basketball, two five-star prospect, two of the top five or two of the top 10, excuse me, players in the entire country for Oregon State, Tamia Gardner and Reagan Beers. Even Oregon, who has the number one recruiting class in the country, does not have a duo that highly ranked. Oregon State's duo of Tamia Gardner and Reagan Beers is really only challenged by UConn, who signed two of the top five prospects in the entire country. So a dynamic duo for Coach Ruick. But again, all anticipated. Oregon signed their four elite prospects as expected. All of them had been committed for several weeks, some of them for months. Oregon State's four-person class had been committed for several months. Where things got a little more interesting, and and frankly, the reason we didn't have a podcast last week is Oregon Oregon men's basketball, they traditionally don't announce their recruiting class during the early signing period until very late. Uh, a lot of programs like to get that done on the first day, get it out of the way, make the big announcement, treat it like, treat it like a signing day. Oregon didn't really announce their recruiting class until late Friday night. So because of that, uh, I was waiting to do the announcements on on the signing period, and that was going to be the whole podcast. And then we didn't get an announcement until late Friday night. By then, we had weekend football games and all that. So I said, we'll just talk about it next week. Oregon, though, announces a very, very talented class, and really it's one of those classes that needs the nuance. It needs a podcast to kind of delve into. You know the big names. Dior Johnson, the number one point guard in the nation, a five-star recruit, formally signed his binding national letter of intent. Kel L. Ware, the five-star center, who's actually a higher-rated prospect than Dior Johnson on Rivals, and they're back-to-back, 13th and 14th in the nation on 24-7, formally signs on Friday as well. Tyrone Williams, the highest scoring junior college player in the country, signs. And then you look at that, and that's three really talented players. Okay, the the junior college leading scorer, and then the number 13 and number 14 player in the country, the number one point guard, one of the top centers. How is that not a top 20 class? And it isn't. I think it finished 23rd on 24-7 sports, and you kind of go, man, maybe Oregon didn't do that well. Well, one, uh, 24-7 does not count junior college prospects in their rankings. They do for football. They do not for basketball. So so one of Oregon's three commitments doesn't even count. The other two are both five-star prospects. And if you go by average rating per commitment, Oregon's class, in terms of star power, finished second in the nation. Kentucky was number one. They did not have a top five recruiting class, but they had a small class of all five stars. Duke finished number one. They had more commitments. They had five or six commitments, a blend of four and five star prospects. But if you just look at bang for your buck across the board, high end talent rating per commitment, Oregon had the number two class in the nation. So a very, 
very talented group. You see that Oregon signs a top 25 recruiting class and you kind of go, huh? ho-hum. It was right in the mid-20s. That's not that impressive. But when you kind of splice things out and say, well, man, everybody else signed four, five, six players. Oregon, at least according to 24-7 sports rankings, only signed two players that count. Again, they signed three, but junior college prospects don't count. So where does that leave us? If that's the question you're asking as a Duck fan, the answer is a very bright future. You've got a five-star center, a five-star point guard, and one of the highest scoring junior college players of the last decade. Just a phenomenal scorer. So a very good class from Oregon, even though, even though on paper, not a top 20 class. Again, uh, size matters, folks. <laughs> uh, in terms of looking forward, Oregon got another big commitment just later in the week, over the weekend, Westland point guard Jackson Shellstead, the 2023 prospect, a player that has patterned himself after and been mentored by Peyton Pritchard in West Lynn, a kid who got his offer, and as soon as he left campus, which is when it was allowed, he contacted Peyton Pritchard to say, hey, I visited Oregon and I got my scholarship offer. Again, that was several months ago. That Jackson Shellstead, one of the top 100 players in the country, announced his commitment to Oregon. Offers from all over the country, including Kansas, including UCLA. He had a top three of Oregon, Gonzaga, and UCLA again also had an offer from Kansas, I believe Florida. A big time, big time talent. And, you know, you look at his ranking, and I think in the composite ranking on 24-7, which is an average of ESPN rivals in 24-7, He's like 68. He's he's outside the top 60. And and uh, you look at 24-7, and I think he's 80-something. And Rivals has him outside the top 100. That really doesn't tell the whole story. I've had a chance to talk to a number of folks about Jackson over the years. I've, I've asked evaluators what they think of Jackson. And I've had a chance to see his highlights for sure. And, and he's a very high IQ basketball player. He can score at all three levels. If you remember Peyton Pritchard, how crafty he was at the rim. And a lot of his came from brute strength. Uh, Peyton Pritchard, despite not being very tall, was very strong and really bullied people at the rim and was very creative with his layup package. Uh, Jackson Chelsea has some of that. But he's also a very good mid-range shooter, and he's a better shooter. He's a better natural shooter than Peyton Pritchard. Plays the game the right way, has a really, really high understanding, a really strong understanding of the game of basketball, how it should be played, how to facilitate as a point guard. And I had one evaluator tell me they thought he was actually a top three point guard in the country and potentially could develop into the best college point guard because he might stay for multiple years. He's an you know, we get this label underrated athlete, and I, I think that's probably inaccurate. I think he's a properly rated athlete for folks who really watch him. He's he's very athletic. He's got some bounce to him. He's very quick. He's very, very athletic, very talented. This is a guy who really checks all the boxes. And when you're looking at what could be in the future for Oregon, this could be a multi-year starter at point guard who starts out being more facilitator as he grows more comfortable being a scorer. But even right away, before he wants to take you uh, you know, off the dribble, he can spread the floor and be a good shooter right from day one. And again, as he becomes more comfortable, he can become a number one scoring option for a top five, top 10 program in the country. Very, very talented. I think there was... 
you know, in Peyton Pritchard's recruitment years ago, it took him a very long time for the ball to get rolling, for people to believe that Peyton Pritchard was a big-time prospect. That was not the case here with Jackson Shellstead out of West Lynn. You can say that's because Peyton helped lay some of the groundwork. You can say that people started to believe it, that West Lynn could produce elite talent because of Peyton's success. Or you could just say Jackson's such a great athlete and, and probably a better pure athlete than Peyton Pritchard. Although, again, Peyton's a very good athlete. I'm not taking anything away from Peyton that Jackson just popped off the page really early. Jackson is a very young prospect, was viewed as a real guy. When he was a freshman, I think, there was some chatter about whether or not he would be a mid-major or or accelerate. And and really by like three or four games into his freshman high school basketball season, it was pretty obvious that he was a special, special talent. So very little doubt, very little doubt uh, about how good Jackson Shellstead would be. Went on the national circuit and performed very, very well this summer. Looked like an elite player. So this is a big time get. And, and anytime you can keep the top players in the, in the state of Oregon at your home program, without stretching it, you know, without taking a kid. Well, we don't have an Oregon kid, so let's take this two-star kid from McNary. Let's take this two-star kid from Roseburg. As long as you're not doing that, as long as you're getting Nathan Biddles, the five-star center, as long as you're getting four-star point guard Jackson Shellstead, as long as you're making an effort to get a guy like Mookie Cook, who has obviously moved to Arizona Prep, uh, AZ Prep in Arizona, and is one of the top players in the country. As long as you're making an effort to get those guys, that's a really positive thing. And then getting them is even bigger. I mean, you know, Nathan Biddle's a big-time five-star talent from last year's class. Jackson Shellstead's the best point guard Oregon's produced maybe since Peyton Pritchard. Very, very talented, unless I'm forgetting somebody. Uh, just very, very high IQ, very, very smart basketball player, and exactly the type of player you want to build a program around. I think he'll be there multiple years. I don't think he's a one and done. And I think right away he'll be a contributor and a potential starter very early because of his talent. So the future is very bright for the Oregon Ducks. And I definitely now have on my schedule uh, multiple Westland basketball games. They're a well-coached, well-run program and have been for years. So it's always been a treat to cover that program, to visit that program, to watch what they're doing. But it becomes even even more exciting and more appealing when you're covering a future Duck or a future Beaver in the Oregon high school basketball ranks. I remember covering Drew Eubanks. I think he was out of Troutdale. Uh, I don't know if it was Troutdale High School. I think he was Reynolds High School. Uh, I don't know if there is a Troutdale High School. He was playing at Reynolds High School and he was committed to Oregon State and Covering him was really exciting because you're seeing the future of what they're going to look like in the Pac-12. So I'm really looking forward to covering Jackson Shellstead again. Just an exciting week for the Oregon Ducks basketball program. You make Dior Johnson official, you make Kellel Ware official, and then you're already kind of set uh, in stone, in foundation, your future at point guard, not only with Dior Johnson, but then Jackson Shellstead all in one week. So a very big week for the Oregon Ducks men's basketball program. Huge, frankly. Uh, you could be getting three NBA players, four NBA players out of this week. So that's that's very, very nice. Uh, just don't pay attention to the on-court results if you're an Oregon fan because that BYU game was ugly. Oregon's on the road. No visitors this week. So we take a look at Oregon State and their visitor list, which is very, very impressive. In fact, they might be closing in on one of the top quarterbacks in the country. I'm not stretching it. I'm not I'm not trying to like create some intrigue before the break and then it's exciting. Legitimately, 
I think they have a pretty dang good chance of landing one of the top quarterbacks in the country for the class of 2023. I'll tell you who it is, and we'll get into this visitor list after a short break. The Oregon State Beavers hosting a really impressive visitor list, at least from what I have put together. I'm sure, and this is always the case, there's always 15 to 20 local high school kids uh, that visit that I don't have on my list because I just don't check with every single high school kid. So these are the main prospects that I've been able to uh, reach out to. I know Oregon State's been recruiting them. I reached out and I reached out to a lot of kids and say, are you visiting this weekend? And get the, I compile all the yeses into a visitor list that is admittedly, again, incomplete because guys come from all over the country. So they're very difficult to do at 100%. But this is a very, very strong list in terms of not only the the quality of the visitors on campus, but but a pretty complete list in terms of who's visiting. Cord Shaw is visiting the Oregon State commit, taking a trip, his official visit to Oregon State, a linebacker who's been really productive all over the field. He's produced at really every position on his high school team. And and people say that somewhat flippantly, like, oh, he plays everywhere. And you find out like he's played receiver and running back and linebacker. And you're like, well, that's not that's not everywhere. <laughs> that's three positions. Cord Shaw has actually, I think, played everywhere. He's the leading receiver on his team. He's the leading tackler on his team. He returns kicks and punts. He's thrown a few passes. He's run the ball. He's caught passes. I believe he's done some kicking or punting uh, in his career. So he does everything. Uh, a great athlete. Oregon State really believes in his ability he says, uh, to play the linebacker position at a very high level in college, even though that might not be his most comfortable position in high school. might be safety that he's actually the most comfortable with, and yet Oregon State tells him, we see what you do on offense, and we think you can do that, that find the hole, hit the hole hard, be physical as a runner. We just want you to flip sides of the ball, find the hole, hit the hole hard as a tackler. So we think you can do that. Here's a route you're running at receiver. We think you can shadow that route as an outside linebacker. So Cord Shaw said that's that's how it was presented to him. They showed him highlights of on offense, of hitting the hole, of running a route. And then they would show their defense and they'd show a linebacker covering that route or a linebacker filling the hole on a run play and blowing up a play. And he, they'd say, see, you're doing this in mirror. You're doing it in reverse. We just want you to do it on the opposite side of the football. And and that really appealed to him the way they put that together and very impressive. So he uh, is committed already and, and he's one of the lowest rated prospects in the class. So it will be interesting. This is a pure evaluation get for Oregon State. This is not a guy who had a whole lot of interest other places. If he pops, it's great evaluation. If he doesn't, people will go back and go, maybe that was a reach. I'm not saying Cord Shaw is a reach. I'm not saying he's going to pop. It's just one of those guys, when a, when a program goes kind of all in on a guy with limited offers, it means they really believe in their scouting. And, and those are always guys I like to kind of dog ear and follow their careers closely because it's like, hey, how did this turn out? And sometimes they really pop and sometimes they don't. So it's going to be interesting to see Cord Shaw. I think it will be a good gauge of, of how good Oregon State is at evaluating those hidden gem type players. Ryan Cooper the nation's number five junior college corner is visiting this weekend. A talented player. It's always kind of hit or miss when you hear the number five junior college corner. There is no set, you know, if you're getting the number five high school corner in the country visiting, you know how good that is. 
when you hear that in the JC ranks, there are years where the number five quarterback is a or corner or running back, whatever the case may be, is a superstar. And there are years where it doesn't go very deep. This is a pretty good year for junior college corners. So that is a pretty good player. Uh, Braylon Oliver also expected to visit. Braylon Oliver was a borderline high school All-American, went to Louisville and entered the transfer portal late this summer. He is taking an official visit as a transfer portal guy to Oregon State. I've mentioned, uh, I think, a few times now. Oregon State's recruiting class is mostly done. They're looking at adding, based on who they're contacting, based on the recruits I've talked to, uh, they're talking to O-linemen, they're talking to D-linemen, and they're talking to lots and offering lots of DBs. If you follow kind of Oregon State Twitter, uh, recruiting Twitter on social media, you've seen that new offers have come out for offensive linemen, defensive linemen, and DBs. It's really easy to follow what positions the program is recruiting because if you're offering now, that means you're still recruiting that position. And those have been the three positions that they've reached out and and, and offered scholarships to guys. So uh, Braylon Oliver, an interesting player. I think they want to get two or three DBs. But I, they would have to based on the number of offers they've sent out late. So I would assume that even if they get an Oliver and a Cooper, they might still take one more. It'll be interesting to see how many, but there aren't going to be, there's not going to be a late addition at quarterback. There's not going to be a late addition at running back, barring something really wild. You're looking at foundational O-line, D-line, and bolster the secondary type pieces. And I think that's a good uh, thing for Oregon State. Tyler Kanak is visiting this weekend on an official visit. He released a top five uh, this week that included USC. Oregon State was in the mix as well. A talented player, a late bloomer. In fact, this is his first year ever playing offensive line. He's six foot seven, 310 pounds. Uh, again, talented player. Arizona State's in his top five as well. A lot of schools late really like this young man. I had a chance to talk to him this week. And he's really kind of just feeling out the recruiting process still. Yes, he released a top five, but he's not one of those guys who releases a top five with 30 offers. He's got six or seven schools interested in him, and he trimmed it to five to kind of focus on his five. And he's really still kind of just doing the groundwork. He's still learning his position. So some of the recruiting pitches like, this is how we'll use you. Uh, You know, this is what you can do for us at the next level. He's still learning what he can do for himself at the high school level. So it's an interesting recruitment. It's going to be a fun one to follow. I do think he makes a lot of sense given what Oregon State has done with big body linemen. They've just done a really good job at creating depth at offensive line, which on paper has been far and away their worst position in recruiting until this year, doing a very nice job. So it'll be interesting to see what the recruiting pitch is for Tyler Knack and where he thinks he fits in because Again, he's still learning football. So the pitch like this is you'll run this kind of offense. I think there's a possibility he goes, okay, how do I do that at the next level? And there's a learning curve there before he's a polished piece. But man, six foot seven, 310 pounds and athletic is a really, really exciting foundation to build off of. And that is why you're seeing so many Pac-12 schools go on him late. 
uh, Justice Lowe, the Lake Oswego three-star athlete visiting this weekend. Again, we keep running that theme. It's not an official visit for him, but it's a DB, and we keep seeing this. DBs, O-linemen, D-linemen, that seems to be the name of the game in the class of 2022. Obviously, when we expand out to who's visiting in 2023 and beyond, we get into a lot more positions, but it seems like every week, or at least the last few weeks, when I've talked about the visitor list for Oregon State, I keep saying it, I'll say it one more time, O-line. D-line and DB is the name of the game when it comes to key visitors. And sure enough, I just went over the list. You've got committed prospect and then DBs and an O-lineman. That's that's pretty typical for Oregon State right now based on their team needs. In 2023, and this really is the headliner for the entire weekend, Braden Dorman out of Colorado, the number one prospect in the state of Colorado, the number 12 quarterback in the country, one of the top 250 prospects in America, would be one of the highest rated quarterback commits in program history, is visiting this weekend. He is high on Oregon State. I don't necessarily expect a commitment this weekend, but... He's high on Oregon State and visiting offers from Colorado, Iowa State, Wisconsin, Arizona, Mississippi State, and interest from coast to coast. Again, you've got Arizona in there. You've got Colorado in there. You've got the Midwest with Iowa State and Wisconsin. You've got Mississippi from the South in there. We need a we need a Northeast team to get involved in this kid so we can truly call him a national uh, cross-country, coast-to-coast commitment. But he definitely hits uh, the Midwest, the West Coast, and the South. Uh, Braden Dorman's a big time talent. And and you look at what Oregon state is doing here and what it tells me is there's belief and we've known that. I, I think if you're an Oregon state fan, you've known, and I've talked about this now for about a year that, that things have turned where kids believe the turnaround is coming to people believe the turnaround is here. Oregon state is bowl eligible. They're seeing that on the field, but not just that. The offense is creative. It's innovative. It makes plays. It puts the ball in its hand of its uh, in the hands of its tight ends. Well, we have belief that tight ends get the ball. So what happens? Oregon State gets one of the earliest 2023 commitments in the entire Pac-12 in landing Cooper Jensen last month, a, a top 25 tight end in the country. Oregon State shows they can do things with running backs. I think there are a number of good running backs as B.J. Baylor goes over the 1,000-yard mark. I think you're going to see a number of really quality running backs taking a look at Oregon State next year because they produce. Jeremiah Jefferson, B.J. Baylor, Deshaun Fenwick, they, they get the ball. They get the rock. Quarterback position, Chance Nolan's making plays. And yes, maybe he's a little loosey-goosey with it in terms of, uh, you know, controlling things and not turning the ball over. But man, they sure allow him at times to be very dynamic. And that's appealing to future potential quarterbacks at Oregon State. Braden Dorman is a big-time talent. And and this is the kind of kid you get that helps you set your recruiting class. If they're able to get Dorman, the 2023 four-star quarterback, early, I think it helps them at receiver. I think it helps them with the O-line. It helps them with a running back because you have a balance. You, you believe in a balanced attack. Getting a quarterback early, a good quarterback early, does a lot for a recruiting class. And Oregon State really hasn't been in that position the last few years. Chance Nolan came on late. Sam Vidlack was a late addition. They've had a number of late additions to the quarterback room in part because they had some misses. They went after Brock Purdy. He ended up late. He ended up at Iowa State. They went after Hank Bachmeyer. He went to Boise State. They've gone after a number of kids and, and missed on their top targets. And when you kick the can down the road with quarterback, you're also kicking the can down the road with kind of 
bonus recruiting because for some reason, and it kind of makes sense, if you know, if you're an offensive player and you know the quarterback coming to your program is a good player, you figure you're going to have a pretty good offense. And that might be lazy, that might be easy, and maybe too easy to explain uh, away why you don't necessarily have that extra bonus. But the quarterback position just across the country, when you get a good quarterback early in any in any recruiting class, it just seems to create an uptick in your chances of landing other good players. So really cross your fingers, Beaver Nation. This is a big-time quarterback. He would be the highest-rated quarterback of the last decade. He'd be the highest-rated commitment in the time I've been covering Oregon State recruiting. This would be a monster, monster get. When you're competing against Wisconsin, for quarterbacks, when you're competing against coast to coast, SEC, Big Ten, and the rest of the Pac-12 for quarterbacks, you know you're doing something right. So very good to see. And then we're not going to get away from it. If you thought we were going to get away from talking about DBs, uh, I got I got some news for you. We are not. The rest of this recruiting uh, visitor list that I've compiled is DBs, O-line, and D-linemen. <laughs> it just seems like we cannot get away from that uh, when it comes to Oregon State right now. And and maybe that's because I've been so hyper-focused on the DBs they've been offering that when they offer a 2023, I add them to my list and always check in with them to make sure whether or not they're visiting. Uh, and I'm doing a bad job of, of asking a bunch of running backs and receivers if they're visiting, but it sure seems like it's a lot of DBs, O-linemen, and D-linemen uh, lately. Trey Lechner who I really liked. I talked about him on a podcast. He's Cooper Jensen's teammate. His film really pops. I mentioned that, that, that he's not rated, but I thought he would be. I really liked him. He finally got a rating. Uh, he's a three-star athlete, three-star prospect on 24-7 sports. This is a guy who's going to be a multi-offer Pac-12 kid. He's really, really talented. He's visiting Oregon State again. When, when he first visited, I said he's not rated. Don't worry about that. This would be a good get. Now he's a three-star athlete, so he doesn't blow you away with his rating. But it's still a really potentially good get if they're able to bring him in. I really like him. Just a baller. Loves football. Great football player. The kind of player you want in your program. Uh, again, not committed yet or anything, but taking a return visit, which is a good sign. Demarcus Houston, the West Albany corner, uh, he was rated as high as the number two player in the state of Oregon by 24-7 sports. Uh, he's listed at 6'2". I believe he's really six foot and a half. That's going to ding his stock a little bit. Still a Pac-12 recruit, still a really talented player. But uh, that might keep him from four-star status. But DeMarcus Houston, very, very good player. Played in the Les Schwab Bowl. For folks who don't know, the Les Schwab Bowl, the, uh, the all-star game every year in the state of Oregon for high school seniors. Finally, this year, this last year, opened up for the first time ever for, un- uh, uh, for underclassmen prospects particularly prospects who are highly rated or potential breakout stars. You had Timmy Mitchell out of Central Catholic, who's a freshman. He had a 99-yard fumble return for a touchdown, so he lived up to the hype. Demarcus Houston, the corner, was a junior, or going to be a junior uh, before that game. He he had almost, he had his hands on three interceptions in that game and absolutely was a shutdown corner in that contest. He lived up to the hype. Anyway, DeMarcus Houston, very talented player. He's visiting. Christian Pierce, the three-star safety. He's got offers from Michigan, Oregon State, and Utah. He tells me he's visiting. Three-star corner, Jonathan Landry. A local kid uh, just across the river out of Vancouver, Evergreen High School. Offers from Florida Atlantic, Utah State, and Virginia. Another coach coast-to-coast recruit whose stock seems to be growing very quickly. Uh, He's visiting Oregon State this weekend. Three-star athlete Deshaun Buchanan out of Arizona, another potential DB. 
has packed has a Pac-12 offer from Arizona visiting Oregon State this weekend. Along the D line, uh, an interesting pair of D line prospects visiting Oregon State this weekend. In fact, I'm about as intrigued with the, this duo of of D linemen as any really that I can remember. They're not the most highly highly rated kids, but they're very intriguing. Uh, to, I'm going to screw up the names. I'm sorry. To Tavila Pomie is a six foot three, three hundred and fifteen pound nose tackle. If you followed Oregon State recruiting for very long, you know offensive line has been an issue in terms of recruiting until this year out of the high school ranks. They've done a great job with transfer portals. They've done a great job with junior college. They've done well with offensive linemen in terms of transfers. They've had a harder time with high school offensive linemen. Uh, they've had a hard time getting high school defensive linemen. So uh, the kid is six foot three, 315 pounds, already offers from Vanderbilt and Oregon State. Big body, you need that plug and play guy. It's really hard on the West Coast to find 315 pound good football players. They're just hard to find. There's a lot of them in the South. They just don't seem to be on the West Coast. So if you can get one, that's big. Definitely one to watch. And then three star D lineman Tristan Davis making a return trip, the Wilsonville High School player. Uh, <laughs> he's a funny story. I, I wrote about him a little bit this week. He was a basketball player. He was a hooper at six foot seven, three hundred and four or two hundred and forty-five pounds. I almost gave him an extra hundred pounds, three hundred and forty-five pounds. Good lord. Uh basketball player. No, six foot seven, two hundred and forty-five pounds, and played football this year. And and really his early film, I I told one school about him, uh, you know, and their thing was he has no idea what he's doing. And now uh, that school is very, very interested in him and and probably uh, doesn't really have much of a chance potentially to get him because now he's being re- recruited by Pac-12 schools. So really talented player, Tristan Davis. Again, it, the evaluator that told me that was right. Um, he looked like he had no idea what he's doing. And yet he's so big and he's so athletic that in that first game, he had three sacks. And I started getting phone calls right after that game. I mean, like Friday night, I got a text and then I got a few phone calls Saturday or Sunday and and even into the week. Uh, who's the big kid from Wilsonville that got three sacks? And I had no idea who it was. I did. I didn't know. Turns out it's Tristan Davis. Now he's a three-star prospect. He's jumped all the way up to the number three player in the state of Oregon. I've got him at number two. I like Demarcus Houston a lot. I've got Tristan Davis ahead of him. He's got an offer from Colorado. He has heavy interest from uh, Michigan at this point. He's visited Oregon and Oregon State already, obviously making a return trip to Oregon State. Tristan Davis' stock is absolutely absolutely skyrocketing. He's like some sort of cryptocurrency in recruiting that that has added four zeros in the last in the last month and a half. I mean, his stock, he's gone from like, okay, he's a basketball player and he's big to like, oh, he might end up with 25, 30 scholarship offers. So Tristan Davis visiting this weekend. If Oregon State somehow could get those two, so you get Tiavale Pomoe, six foot three, three hundred and fifteen pounds. And then if you were somehow able to get Tristan Davis, six foot seven, two hundred and forty-five pounds, suddenly Oregon State's front's looking pretty dynamic and pretty big. And then you got Cord Shaw on his official visit, the linebacker is going, man, 
You want me to just fill the hole and tackle the running back? Sounds good. I can do that. The holes are huge because our D line is massive. So that's how this thing stacks up potentially. Interesting, interesting uh, pair of defensive linemen, two of the more interesting de- defensive linemen Oregon State's hosted really in the last several years. Again, not the most highly rated, but in terms of interesting stories, both of them pretty, pretty uh, compelling characters there. Three-star offensive lineman Misale Sandoval, six foot six, 325 pounds. Again, big bodies. That's going to be a theme going forward for this Oregon State program. They clearly want to be bigger, hit you in the mouth. They play with two and three tight ends. It seems like maybe there's a possibility the fullback position won't always, you know, won't be dead at Oregon State, that they're going to keep that tradition alive. They, they, they're recruiting bigger and bigger bodies. Six foot six, 325 pounds. Six foot three, 315 pounds. Six foot seven, 245 pounds. Who can get to 280, 290? That is the new normal for Oregon State in recruiting. It's really good to see. And I think I, I read somewhere when Jonathan Smith first got to Oregon State, the first thing he said was, we're small. We're really tiny. And it's taken him a couple of years to get that depth and get that size, but he's doing it. And this is how you do it. You lay the groundwork by getting these big bodies. Tyler Kanak is taking an official visit this weekend. He's 6'7", 310. For next year, you've got the 6'6", 310 guy visiting. They've got, you know, 315-pound nose tackles visiting. You've got 6'7", defensive linemen visiting. Oregon State clearly wants to get bigger. Their, their identity is going to be to hitch in the mouth. And despite all that, because offensively, you think rock fight. You know, Oregon right now plays like it's a rock fight. They're playing everything in a phone booth. They don't like to throw the ball vertically. They don't stretch downfield. It's not very creative. It's three and a half to five yards in a cloud of dust. It's not three yards in a cloud of dust. It's three and a half to five yards in a cloud of dust. Travis die, Travis die, Travis die. That's what their offense is. Oregon State's different. They almost have that same identity, hitch in the mouth. But Jonathan Smith right now is a lot more creative. They do a lot of play action. They get the ball in the hands of their tight ends. They stretch the ball down the field. They get their hand. They get the ball in the hands of their receivers in space. They want to be physical. They want it to be a rock fight. But they're going to mix in some interesting stuff. And, and I think that's a really good thing for Oregon State to be physical without being boring. To be physical without being vanilla. They take chances. They take risks. They make big plays. They're willing to put the ball in harm's way to try to make a play downfield. I like seeing it. And clearly recruits do too, because you've got quarterbacks interested in visiting. You've got tight ends who definitely want to catch the ball and block at Oregon State, because you get to do both. You've got big linemen wanting to check things out. It's a good sign for Oregon State. Things are going in the right direction. And again, I just, I can't overstate how big it would be if they somehow were able to land dormant. Four-star quarterback, number 11, 12, 13 quarterback in the country, depending on which ranking you use, might be the highest rated uh, quarterback prospect in the last, well, would be the highest rated quarterback prospect for the program since Derek Anderson, I'm pretty sure, and would be the highest rated prospect that they've gotten in the time I've been covering them, which is like six, seven years now almost, I think. I think that's right. God, I'm getting old. Um, so really interesting weekend. And that's definitely the big name to watch. And then again, in the 2022s, it's, it's DB D line O line watch. So be rooting for an O line commit, be rooting for a D line commit, be rooting for a DB commit of the official visitors. Cord Shaw already committed Ryan Cooper, the nation's number five junior college corner, Bra- uh, Braylon Oliver, the Louisville transfer and Tyler Kanak. I think my opinion the biggest get of that group would be Tyler Kanak. I mean, 
literally he's six seven three ten, but but also figuratively when you're competing against Arizona State and USC for prospects and you're beating those schools, that's a really good sign. So that would be the player that I would of the official visitors that I'd be most anxiously watching if I were Beaver Nation going, okay, if we get this kid, let's do a fist bump, maybe have uh, an extra drink watching the game and celebrate because we just beat USC for an online commit. That's a big deal. So that's what you're looking for this weekend. Oregon Ducks men's basketball has their future set at the point guard position with Dior Johnson and then Jackson Shellstead. You've got Oregon State hosting a big visitor list. It's an exciting week of football and an exciting week on the recruiting trail. Thank you, as always, for listening. Subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast. If you listen to Apple Podcasts, leave a five-star review. None of this three-star, four-star stuff. I know I talk about three and four stars, but when you write reviews, I want you to stay in that five-star lane. Right? I hope so. Anyway, thank you for listening. Appreciate you.